Hello, I'm Ryan. And I'm Brody. And this is the High Volatility Experience. Well, well, well. Ryan, it has been a while since we've sat here, and honestly, we've just been busy. But guess what? We're back. And I need to be honest. In my spare time, I've built a time machine, and I've gone into the future by about a year. And what I noticed was unemployment benefits were not cut. It was spooky. Oatmeal was $13. $13 for oatmeal. It's oats. So... It leads me to my topic now that I'm back. What are we talking about today, Ryan? $13 oatmeal is certainly a prospect to behold. Today we talk about the reports on the record rates of consumer price indexes and inflation statistics from last Thursday's report. Actually, last last Thursday's report. has been quite a while again. The core inflation rate increased 3.85% since July last year, and this is the largest increase in nearly three decades so Ryan gave us a statistic on core inflation, but there are actually two kinds of inflation measurements. There's core inflation, and then there's headline inflation. Headline inflation, or probably just normal inflation that you hear about, measures the inflation rate across all sectors of the U.S. economy, while core inflation rate takes commodities such as food and energy out of the picture. Now, why do we do that? It's actually because these are sectors, these commodities, that tend to be very volatile, so a lot of policymakers actually prefer to use core inflation rates over headline inflation rates because they tend to be more accurate measurements of an inflation trend over a longer period of time. If you take into account volatile sectors such as food and energy, the inflation rates may become skewed when prices fluctuate a large amount in the short term. Take crops, for example. If there's a drought for a short period of time, prices will skyrocket and demand remains because people can't just stop buying food, right? Now, headline inflation might have become skewed upwards because the price of corn shot up for a couple days and people spent a lot more money on corn. A more recent example can be gasoline prices after the recent cybersecurity attacks. They shot up. But these brief anomalies aren't going to be indicative of the market in the long term, which is why they're factored out of the equation in core inflation rates. That's why the fact that core inflation rate being at its highest in 30 years might be very concerning. So, Ryan, can you explain what's going on with the consumer price index and what it all means? So, the consumer price index over all items rose 5% year over year in May this year, which has been the highest annual rate since 2008 in August, just before the recession. 5% is also higher than the 4.7% prediction by economists surveyed by Dow Jones. But what does the consumer price index actually mean? The Consumer Price Index, or CPI for short, measures the average change in prices paid by consumers across a range of goods or services in a particular market basket, which is basically just a list of items that are proportionally used to represent a specific or overarching market at a given point in time. Right. 
In other words, market baskets are used to measure the amount of inflation occurring in any time period. So what you have are some short-term and possibly longer-term quantitative indications about where the inflation rate is going. And that's why some of the action we are seeing is interesting looking through the lens of the long-term economy. So that's on a yearly basis. But what's going on with the CPI right now? So the headline CPI on a monthly basis in May was 0.8%, while the core CPI was 0.7%. Leading the individual indexes in specific market baskets include the transportation and energy sectors. The average price for used cars and trucks in particular increased by a whopping 7.3% in May, according to the U.S. Labor Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they're up nearly 30% from last year. The energy index increased 28.5% over the last year from last May, and the gasoline index is up more than 56%, although this is less surprising because these prices were at lows last year. Just look up the United States Oil Fund, or ticker USO, and go back to May 2020. Good times, right? Prices for these sectors increase a substantial amount all make sense, because as the economy reopens, people will be heading back to work, using cars to drive again, increasing demand there, and thus also increasing the need for fuel. And again, energy is a commodity. So demand stays even as prices rise and people spend more money. Okay, but let's end this on a reassuring note, because according to Slate, rising costs related to transportation such as buying used cars or trucks, buying new vehicles, car and truck rentals accounted for nearly half of the 0.6% CPI month-to-month increase in May this year. Thus, this large increase in consumer prices, just like headline inflation, is not actually representative of the whole market as a trend. Again, the question remains whether the current inflation we're seeing is just what people call a transitory period back into full in-person, or it's something more sustained and long-term. Brody, can you tell us a bit about what the big dogs in the market are thinking? Yeah, Ryan. The sentiment in the market seems to believe the inflation is short-term, though even after the CPI report on June 10th, the S&P 500 still finished at an all-time high while the 10-year treasury yields continue to decline. For the final cherry on top, earlier this week, the Federal Open Market Committee led by Jerome Powell noted that interest rates will likely rise by 2023 and that the tapering of asset purchases will occur sooner than previously stated. This is obviously in response to spikes in inflation we are already seeing. Simply put, people that lend out money need to compensate for the decreased buying power for the repayment that they receive in the future. So this is all relatively normal. Speaking of reopening the economy, let's focus in on one area. Let's talk about good old Michigan. Last week, according to the U.S. Labor Department, jobless claims in Michigan fell to just under 7,000, down nearly 50% from the prior week. Even though jobless claims actually rose last week, looking at the U.S. as a whole. Interesting. What's going on here, Ryan? Yeah, so Michigan is finally reopening. Governor Whitmer has announced that COVID restrictions will be lifted on June 22nd, 2021. That's coming up real soon, in a couple of days, actually. As the state nears 61% of the population with the first dose of the vaccine. Obviously, if businesses can serve and sell at full capacity... This will have implications on spending. 
Brody, tell us more. All right. Earlier this month, Whitmer announced the Economic Jumpstart Plan, proposing a $1.15 billion stimulus aimed at increasing the minimum wage, among other things. Michigan currently carries a $9.65 minimum wage per hour, and Whitmer would like to push this to $15, which makes sense seeing the inflation rise and standard of living increase over COVID. And also when you consider that before COVID, uh, people didn't really have savings to cover any emergencies, so an increase in minimum wage might make sense here. Using the money from the stimulus to cover for the difference in the current and proposed wages is how she plans to deal with the increase in wages. And overall, what else is happening here, Ryan? Well, first of all, I don't know. I don't want to say that the $15 minimum wage makes sense for a sure thing. Maybe, maybe not. The thing here is that the $15 might be covered by the stimulus. It's not going to be the businesses that are paying for this. We're not talking about large corporations like Amazon, right? But more on this uh, later. Local journalism paper Bridge Michigan states that Whitmer intends to use federal aid to create grants for businesses to cover the costs of increasing wages, like I said before. So it's not going to be the businesses themselves that are going to be paying more to the employees that are coming back to work. It is also noted that the stimulus is favored by Democrats, but seen negatively across the business community and state Republicans. This makes sense again. The goal is to make a 40-hour work week viable for child care. As of right now, it is hard to maintain child care with current wages, struggles that Brody just talked about. Some other things to note in Whitmer's bill are the $120 million going towards community college tuition for qualifying students, $60 million going toward future frontline workers, and $100 million going towards grants for restaurants, some of the hardest-hitted businesses throughout the pandemic, $125 million going towards businesses that didn't qualify for previous federal business incentives like the Paycheck Protection Plan program, and $75 million going towards grants for startups. Now, with restrictions being lifted, how will this affect inflation in the Michigan economy? Assuming all of the money is used correctly, this is obviously a ton of money going in. And for perspective, this comes after trillions of dollars in federal stimulus coming from the previous Biden bills and all the stimulus even before he came into office. Headline and core inflation will definitely be something that's going to be interesting to look at. Like we said before, transportation and energy sectors saw really large increases in consumer price indexes. But surprisingly, actually, like food, for example, remained pretty stable. Um, so again, it's going to be interesting to see. But going back to the reason for the stimulus, as of late, uh, with unemployment benefits being as high as they are, a phenomenon has surfaced that is workers not taking jobs because they can actually make more money claiming unemployment benefits and staying at home than working maybe a minimum wage paying job, for example. And that goes back to actually the discussion of raising minimum wage to $15 as opposed to what it's currently at right now, $9.65. Can you go more into that, Brody? Yes, I can. An article written by Market Watch last month stated that job openings topped 8 million in March and that states are cutting unemployment benefits as an incentive to decrease the amount of openings. 
In fact, businesses are so desperate for work that they're increasing signing bonuses to unforeseen levels. For example, I was driving down the street the other day, and Wendy's or McDonald's, one of those chicken sandwich restaurants, was offering $1,500 in signing bonuses. Moreover, wages are over the top for previously minimum wage jobs or lower wage bracket jobs. Not that they're not deserving, but they just were previously lower wage. A shift manager at McDonald's is paying $18 per hour at the time of signing. Now, this is all very specific and narrow data, but what is happening in the government level and the overall big Michigan level? Well, there's definitely conflict in the Michigan House. You have House Republicans wanting to end the enhanced unemployment claims of $300 early before Labor Day, but also against Governor Whitmer's proposed $300 for people returning to the workforce as an incentive. Basically, she wants to extend what's offered in the current state unemployment benefits towards partial unemployment using the WorkShare program. Brody, can you tell us a little bit about what the what some representatives are saying? On one hand, you have Republican Representative Beth Griffin, who says that businesses have already done everything humanly possible to attract people back to work, but people have been honest and simply said that they're making too much money on unemployment. On the other hand, Democrat House Leader Donna Lisinski says that we do not have people in Michigan who are choosing not to work. We do not have people in Michigan who are lazy. So how does this all come out, Ryan? So... From what I'm seeing on one end of the spectrum, unemployment claims are going way down, right? Like under 7,000 now. So the claim that people are lazy and don't want to work, at least at this point in time where the pandemic has really calmed down, doesn't really hold up. However, the fact that there's now less than 7,000 reported jobless claims also brings the question about why the state is still choosing to keep the current unemployment benefits until September and even provide partial unemployment benefits. According to Rich Studley, president and CEO of the Michigan Chamber of Commerce, 26 other states have already halted their federal benefits. He also described these benefits as, quote, necessary at the beginning of COVID, but are now in fact proving to be harmful. Just out of curiosity, Brody, how much can you actually earn off of current Michigan unemployment benefits? The most state unemployment benefits you can receive in Michigan right now is $362 per week. Then couple that with the enhanced federal unemployment benefits of $300 for said people receiving the state benefits. As for partial unemployment benefits, the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity provides an example for how the WorkShare program works on the Michigan.gov site. It goes something like this. If a worker makes $1,000 per week and the employer needs to reduce their hours by 30%, under the WorkShare program, their weekly salary will be around $700 at base. Now, add 30% of the state unemployment benefits, which would be $108 taken from the $362 as previously mentioned. Then you add the $300 extra from Whitmer's extra incentive proposal, and now you're looking at more than $1,100 per week for working part-time. That is amazing. $1,100 per week working part-time is insane. Brody and I did some quick math and we found out that working at 70% work hours 
under the circumstance that Brody just mentioned, you would be earning nearly $40 per hour, which is just absolutely crazy. And so now you can understand why businesses might be having some difficulty hiring people. I read in the Detroit News about how a manufacturer in Petrosky was only able to operate at 85% capacity due to an inability to find workers. Apparently, the company bought a motel to house workers from Puerto Rico to fill for summer tourism work. And the companies that are going to be the most against the unemployment benefits aren't going to be big corporations like Amazon. It's struggling companies like these. And furthermore, when the Michigan Unemployment Agency reestablished the work search requirement for people filing for unemployment benefits, even though the number of applications increased, especially after the season of summer, according to this particular company, Monte Veneer, applicants didn't return calls from them. So this potentially suggests that the unemployments weren't really looking for work and simply applied to meet the requirements, right? Well, it should be noted this isn't indicative as a whole, but it is a problem. Back in April, the Michigan Unemployment Agency stated that about 100,000 fraudulent unemployment claims had been filed during the week in which the article was published. It's really quite difficult to see who actually needs the money after legitimately not being able to work, versus those who deliberately stay at home to qualify for more than what minimum wage pays. So, finally, taking it back to the idea of why, Whitmer wants to get jobs filled by providing incentives to those that sign. However, this may prove costly after trillions of dollars in federal stimulus and billions of dollars in state stimulus. There's the threat of future economic uncertainty with the inflation, reopening the economy with business uncertainty, how to get back to operating at full capacity, and one final point as well. With Whitmer's proposed $300, people with partial unemployment benefits are actually going to be making more than people working full-time. And one could look at this and say the government is actually subsidizing part-time work with no indication of compensating for the full-time workers, and that doesn't seem to make sense. But these are just some things to think about. Really interesting, Ryan. This has been our two-topic mega episode. We are coming back. We're going to be more consistent now because we are less busy. And we hope to see you next time on the High Volatility Experience with Brody and Ryan. See you.